Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Before we get started, I wanted to share one of our latest reviewers from this week. Meg writes, this podcast is filled with messages of honesty, truth, and freedom. Kelsey doesn't box herself in with the people she has on the podcast or the topics she covers. This podcast empowers women to be strong, passionate, and dream chasers. So grateful for Radiant. Y'all, you know I love these reviewers, and I am so thankful when you take the time to leave a review. So if you have a moment, please pop over, take 30 seconds, and leave a review in the same app you're listening in. It makes a difference in getting this podcast in front of more people, and we do want to spread the word. Also, tag me in your Instagram stories. I'm Kels Chapman. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tag me and the guest to let us know you're listening. It truly makes our day, and I'll be sharing the screenshots in my stories each week and tag you. So let's spread the word together and get the Radiant Podcast in front of as many listeners as possible. Hey guys, today we have Kelly Roach, and you are going to absolutely love this episode. Kelly is the host of the top-rated podcast, Unstoppable Success Radio, and an international best-selling author and the CEO of Kelly Roach Coaching. As a former NFL cheerleader and Fortune 500 executive, where she was promoted seven times in eight years, Kelly brings a powerful combination of proven and profitable business growth strategies coupled with mindset, wellness, and productivity practices required to help entrepreneurs build a profitable business around a life they absolutely love. Kelly's passion and purpose is in helping entrepreneurs around the world achieve exponential profit, sales, and income growth. Y'all, Kelly is the real deal. There were so many one-liners from this episode that I just can't even wait to get started. So without further ado, let me introduce you. Hey, Kelly. Hey there. How are you today? I am doing awesome. I'm talking to you. I am so glad you're here. I loved joining you on the Unstoppable podcast. We had a blast. I think what you're doing is awesome. And so I'm really glad to have you here today. Uh, Well, I'm pumped. I hope we can uh, have a great dialogue that impacts some people that are out there listening. I think so. I'm really feeling it. So I would love for you to start by you just sharing your story, how you got to where you are, where you got started, what you do today, all of it. Yeah, uh, I would love to. Okay, cool. Well, let's have some fun here. So it started back when I was growing up. I had a, a big family five kids in the family. My dad worked for a nonprofit. My mom was home with the kids. Um, We lived just above the poverty line. So I heard the words no uh, quite often, much more frequently than I wanted to be. And I think my entrepreneurial spirit began to be cultivated at a very young age because the second that I could start working, I literally was working three jobs from like the day I was legally able to work. Um, So, you know, I started doing, you know, everything I possibly could from being a gatekeeper at the pool to being a mother's helper. Um, Kelsey, you probably had that entrepreneurial spirit from a young age, even if you didn't know it yet, too, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, But yeah, so I mean, I just was always looking for ways that I could kind of take control of my own destiny. And that carried right up through when I was in college. I always had three different jobs. And it just so happened that when when I picked the university that I went 
into, uh, I chose the university where I was going to be in the least amount of debt. So I had grown up being a competitive cheerleader, a competitive dancer, um, and both of those things were not quite at the level at the university that I went to as the schools that I had been used to performing in. So when I got to college, I was like, I want to continue moving forward. These schools didn't have Division One teams. I went to the school where I wasn't going to get myself in debt. And so I ended up auditioning for the Philadelphia Eagles to become an Eagles cheerleader. So that was kind of a cool experience. And it was one of my many jobs that I had during um, school. And then from there, I was like, I went to school for communications, had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew that I didn't want to struggle financially ever again in my life. I knew that I wanted to work with people. Um, and I fell into a career with sales. So I joined a Fortune 500 firm. I was the first one in. I was the last one out every single day. And I was able to get promoted seven times in eight years. And I just fell in love with sales. I fell in love with coaching people. I fell in love with leadership, even though I struggled with it very much in the beginning because I didn't have the patience or the maturity. Um, But that's a whole nother podcast episode. Um, But I was able to get promoted seven times in, in eight years. And that is where I really learned, Kelsey, about business growth strategy and about coaching and teaching and training and and really loving kind of the art and science of growing business because I was responsible for 17 different independent locations. I had a team of 100. So that meant my day all day every day was coaching people and teaching them how to be successful growing their business, right? Wow, yeah. And so it it was an amazing experience. I I had my, my first and my best lifetime mentor in that time. And I learned more, I think, in my 20s than than I could have hoped for learning in a lifetime of a career, but it definitely got to the point where I realized, okay, I can keep getting promoted and promoted and promoted. And every time I get promoted, um, I'm working more. I have less time um, for myself, for family. I'm making all this money, but there's no time to spend it. And that's when I really realized, you know what? I need to take ownership over my life. I need to take ownership of my happiness. If I want to experience certain things, I can't rely on someone else and expect someone else to provide that for me in a job. I need to go out and design this from the inside out. And that's when I decided that I was going to go out and start my coaching company because my my love was business growth strategy. My skill was teaching and training and coaching people. And I felt like I could use this skill set that I had developed where I was helping this one company to just make millions and millions of dollars to actually make an impact on people's families. And I knew that if I went out and I started coaching small business owners, that when someone was growing their business, and people always ask me about success stories, and I say to them, I can tell you all the stories about businesses that I've helped make multi-six-figure and even seven-figure leaps in a year, but those are not the stories that drive me. The stories that drive me are when people say to me, I I paid off my mortgage. I just got out of credit card debt. Um, I had one of my clients tell me this is the first year ever that I was able to buy Christmas presents for cash for my family. I had another client tell me I've never been able to afford to put my daughter in dance classes. This is the first time I could afford to do that without going into debt. So that's like the why behind when I knew I was going to go out and start this business, focusing on small business owners because I wanted there to be meaning and purpose and and legacy and and generations of people that were impacted by this work, you know, not just fueling one, one big corporation if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So I love that, you know, I love that you kind of, your mission is your dream is helping others achieve theirs. So what, you know, where did you see that pattern start popping up in your life where, you know, not only did you, were you driven enough to make your dreams happen, 
that you stepped into helping other people's dreams come alive? Yeah, I think it was really, so I remember a conversation I'll never forget for the rest of my life when, when I, so when I started my corporate career with a Fortune 500, I was doing sales initially and that's when I really started like, I, I realized the power. Like I realized when I discovered sales, that's when I was like, holy crap, like every no in life can be turned into a yes. Like this is amazing, you know? And I had never set out to get into a career in sales. And so I was loving life. I was getting all these results. I was making money. I was having fun. I'm like, this is incredible. And my boss comes to me and he says, Kelly, we need you to move into management. And I'm like, what? I'm like, no, like I'm happy. I love what I'm doing. Like this is all working. Why? Like, and he's like, you know, the impact that you can make if you're the best salesperson in the world, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, you can never make the kind of impact that you can make exponentially when you're helping other people succeed. He's like, just trust me. Like I know you, you're going to love this. And at first it was really, really hard because to, to make other people successful, number Number one, you have to, you know, slow down, right? And I'm super type A and like I just want to move, right? And number two, you have to be humble enough and mature enough to realize that the fulfillment that you're going to get out of succeeding yourself is is never even going to compare to the fulfillment that you're going to get from making other people succeed. And I was 21, maybe had just turned 22 at the time. And so I was really not totally getting that at that point. But then once I moved into leadership, I made all the mistakes, I did everything wrong, turned a bunch of people over, and then finally like kind of got it like it clicked for me I just fell in love with watching people grow with with seeing a light bulb go off with seeing someone understand how something works and go out and do it and get success and I think for me at the end of the day the the biggest fulfillment and I feel like my biggest mission is helping people to see the brilliance that's already inside of them It's like it's all right there, but it's helping people have the confidence to be willing to risk enough of what scares them to tap into what's already there. And I see my job as just being a catalyst to help people to really unleash what's deep down. It's in there. You know, it's in all of us, but it's just getting to a point where we allow ourselves to like fully express ourselves and really try to perform at our highest potential because we're not protecting ourselves so much, you know? I love that. Love that. And I love that, you know, it took some pain points of not doing it quite the right way and then learning as you go, what do you have to say to entrepreneurs who fail or mess up and how how that can propel us forward versus cripple us and, you know, cancel our dreams. <laughs> Yes. And and Kelsey, thank you so much for asking that. You know, people ask me, I do podcast interviews and radio interviews almost every single week. And I get asked the question, like, can you remember a big failure? And I'm like, can I remember a big failure? I'm like, we fail every single day. I tell my team, we have a sales call every single morning. And I say to them, guys, if we don't fail at anything today, we're not trying hard enough. And I will tell you, Kelsey, when I started my business, I tried to protect myself. I wanted to look so perfect. I wanted to look so professional. I tried to have everything zipped up all the time. I didn't want anyone to know that I was new. And, you know, so I I grew, but I kind of grew slow but steady, you know. Mm -hmm. And and then I, like, kind of got over myself. Like, I got over (laughs) myself. You know, and I think, again, it comes back to maturity and growth as a person. And I got over myself. And what I realized really quickly, Kelsey, was like the key to all of our dreams lies in our ability to push outside of the box of trying to protect ourselves and to want the result and to want to grow badly enough that you're willing to risk failure. 
the learning that comes from failure is more powerful and more important than any other way of learning. Because if you haven't failed your way through it, you haven't experienced enough to truly understand why something does or doesn't work, right? And we all want to be protected in the vacuum, but you can't learn that way. Wow. That is a good word, Kelly. I am loving it. So how, um, how do you help the people you work with change their relationship with failure? Because I think a lot of us, I think there are some personality types that aren't moved by failure quite as much. And then there are some that are crippled by it. And so how do you help people change their relationship with that? Is it trial and error? Is it time? You know, what helps people move from the zipped up space? I've got to do everything perfectly to, you know what, let's experiment. It could lead to our greatest success. It could lead to some failure. Yeah, no. So I think there's two different sides of it, right? There's like the emotional mindset side and then there's the strategic side. So let's talk about the two different sides of the coin. You know, on one hand, I help people change their relationship with failure by helping them understand a mindset of testing. You know, we were all raised in a culture where in school you pass or you fail. So if you fail, it's very, very bad, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not a surprise that you grow into an adult that believes failure is very, very bad. You were actually taught that, right? So, you know, a part of changing your relationship with failure is recognizing that what works in an educational setting doesn't work in an entrepreneurial setting and that the the reverse is true. So whereas memorizing something and then spitting back out in school will pass a test for you, you know, in entrepreneurship, it's only by testing dozens and dozens and dozens of ways that you can finally pinpoint the key thing that works. And so for me, what I try to do is help people understand the mindset of testing and that it's through testing in small incremental things that you can identify what works and what doesn't and then go all in on the things that work versus going all in on one thing, having no idea, no experience, no wisdom, no knowledge, whatever, and then being like, oh my gosh, I just put my life savings on this thing and and it just failed, right? Right. So I think that mindset of testing and really the the distinction between a scholastic educational setting where you were brought up to think failure is bad versus an entrepreneurial setting where failure is the only way that you can learn. Like when people hear that and that light bulb goes off that this is a different realm, you know, that that's a big thing because think think how many years you were raised to think that. Oh, right? Oh my gosh. Do you think that straight-A students have a harder time as an entrepreneur with failure than not, you know, than people. Absolutely. You know, I I think that all of us, so first of all, I think entrepreneurs that were good students, you know, definitely, you know, are going to struggle with this more because they take so much pride in not failing. I mean, you're speaking, this is me. (laughs) Right? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So I, I think that's hugely difficult to have so much pride in being successful and then to step into a space and you're like, what? You're telling me the only way I can succeed is by failing? This is ludicrous, right? So I think it's all very natural, but I think it's just an evolution of thinking. Um, I think maybe some of those uh, people that have had like, you know, some rough patches and gone through ups and downs and all of that, they maybe have a little bit more pliability, um, you know, to success and failure. And so maybe they adapt a little bit more quickly. But hey, let's be honest. I mean, all of us deal with head trash every single day. Right. You know, it's like, like I always say to people, you know, working on evolving your mindset is something that you you 
commit to when you decide to be an entrepreneur and you work on until the day you die, you're never done, right? Right. But I think the flip side of that, Kelsey, you know, you said, how do you change your relationship with failure? The flip side of it is strategy. And, you know, the the thing that I try to really, really focus on in this kind of what I like to call microwave culture of like we want everything now, we want it overnight, it needs to be quick and easy, is timeless business principle that will stand uh, it, it forever, right? right? So I try to focus on helping entrepreneurs build businesses that are focused on team, systems, infrastructure, and timeless strategy. Principles that have been around forever that are going to stay around forever regardless of platform changes, regardless of whether people are buying online or offline, so on and so forth. And when people begin to understand that methodology, they realize that the little everyday failures will never cause you to fail, right? right. It's like you you realize that your risk is, is so much smaller when you build a business of substance that is created around the right things because those little things that you're testing every day, they're, they're so small in comparison to what you're building that they don't have the capability of actually causing your business to fail. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. You know, I think that is going to be really impactful for our listeners because if they're anything like me, or like you in the beginning, I do I do like to keep it zipped up. And I like vulnerability, but only once I've processed, you know, processed it internally first. And I think that does cripple us from moving forward. And I think one of my biggest lessons of 2017 was what something that felt like a failure. It actually turned out to be a big move that was really important for me. Um, but it felt like a failure because I thought it would be an overnight success success and more it was playing instead it was playing the long game like a you know it it, I, it didn't really pay off that investment didn't pay off for two months and it scared me I thought I failed I cried for a week because I've never I don't fail that often and mm-hmm. I think um, I, I resonate so much with what you're saying because that ended up being one of the most formative lessons of my career um, and actually being really positive, but it didn't feel like that in the moment. Oh, and and that's always what it is, right? Like in the moment, it's like, crushing you you know and you're like you you just you almost feel like you like can't get your head like enough above water but then it's always in hindsight that you're like but that shaped me so much and it was so important that I learned that lesson but unfortunately I think it it was Steve Jobs right that said you can't connect the dots looking forward you can only connect them looking back right right Right, man. I mean, that is such a, I mean, that is the golden nugget so far of this episode. I am so thankful you touched on that. Now, I would love for you to chat about your book, um, Unstoppable and the Nine Principles for Unlimited Success, and just, you know, what what that is, what our listeners could glean from your book. I think that you just have so many important things to say that are helpful for our listeners in moving the needle in their business. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I wrote the book because the reason why I started my business was that I felt that in order to succeed in my corporate career, I had sacrificed what I wanted in my life in order to have success in business. 
And the when I went out and I started my business, I was extraordinarily, ruthlessly intentional about constructing a business that supported my life. And by design, building a business that allowed me to take multiple vacations throughout the year, that allowed me to have my husband re- be retired. He's home full time with my daughter, who's three. Um, take off on Fridays so we can be in the pool together. Like I learned from that mistake. Right. Like I I really, really did. And when I wrote the book, I wanted to focus on nine principles that would allow people to bring together success in business and in life, because almost everyone I know is either happy with their life and not happy with their financial or business success, or they're happy with their financial or business success, and they're not happy with their life. And so um, the the point of the book and the goal of the book is to really simplify, you know, hey, if you focus on these nine core principles around how you live your life and how you build your business – you can bring these two things together. You don't have to sacrifice one to get to the other. And I do know that through experience. I did sacrifice one to get to the other. And now I do have the flip side of that, you know, in the business that I constructed my second time around doing it on my own. Um, so so that's really the the goal and the point of the book, Kelsey, and, and what the intention behind creating it was. I love that. And I love that you learned the hard way. You know, I didn't get to design the life I love. And when you had a second chance at it. You did. So how do you help um, people backtrack when they've created a business that they're working 90 hours a week? How do people reframe and hit reset and stop the madness? Because I know I've done that. I call 2017 like my year of hibernation. um, Because it took me, and I also describe it as like I was living in a straitjacket for the year. You know, Mm -hmm. totally reforming my habits and learning to rest meant I had to practice resting. And so when I was bored and wanted to work, I wouldn't let myself because it's not a healthy hobby. (laughs) So how do you work with people to backtrack their habits when they've created a business that is not serving the life they want to design? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think the first step is, is recognizing that we're in control. And I think that in many instances, we as business owners build this animal that is like running us instead of serving us. And I think the very first step is recognizing that you can change that and that it doesn't need to be that way. And then the second step is is slowing down enough and caring enough about yourself and about your happiness to say, even though it is harder to slow down and to fix this and to do it the right way and it's more painful than it is to just keep going as you are, that you're going to make the sacrifice to slow down. You're going to make the sacrifice to take the time to evaluate. You're going to take a couple steps backward so that you can take a couple steps forward. And that might sound like really simple and easy and you just went through and did this yourself and so I'm sure you can share. It is not easy when the train is going a thousand miles an hour in one direction. It is not easy to put the brakes on intentionally and that fear of missing out and that fear of losing your place and that fear of, you know, losing control of even what you do have control over. It's real, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I last year and and once you weather that season and once you do it you realize oh you know if I don't post every day if I don't stay visible every second if I don't do all the things if I don't keep up with my competitor whatever it is 
it actually proves to you that it all won't crash and burn, but it takes Mm -hmm. trying it. And it was really scary. You know, what if it all goes away because I stopped working from mania, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah, exactly. And it didn't. And I think it's important to learn that lesson too, you know? And I think there's been some really um, valuable people that have been put in my path as well to remind me you don't have to do all the things every second for this to be successful. And that's not a place you, that driving force is not a place you want to work from either. Um, but it's a long, hard lesson. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And and I think it's also a lack of education too, right? Because I think that most people, when they start their businesses, they're great at that thing that they do. Um, they didn't have training in creating a business around systems, around being an effective leader, around understanding truly what the CEO of a small business is supposed to be doing with their time and and not doing, right? Um, you know, a lot of times for me when I get into this with people and I'm helping them to change the direction of their business, it comes down to their pricing strategy, you know, their sales system. Their, their marketing effectiveness, uh, their team, right? Whether it's that they have an ineffective team that's underperforming or not producing a profit in the business or no team at all or a duct tape team that they haven't truly invested in and because they haven't truly invested in them, they can't possibly perform at the level that they would want them to. But it, it's a lot of those things that many times as entrepreneurs, you have to think, I ask people, did, did you ever go through training on this before? Well, don't beat yourself up. If, you, if you've never learned what you're supposed to be doing as the CEO of a company and you never did training in it, you never took a class, I was very lucky. Like I was 23 years old and I was managing millions of dollars in business. That's how I was equipped to do what I do today. But what if your background wasn't in business, right? So, you know, I, I think it's, it's slowing down. It's realizing it can change. It's the willingness to make the sacrifice just like you did and just like you shared that you did, Kelsey, to, to slow down and do the work. But then it's also taking a really hard look at like, well, what created this situation in the first place? And then what are the pillars that are going to change it? A lot of times it's crafting your pricing strategy. A lot of times it's moving from doing a lot of heavy one-to-one to, you know, effectively serving one-to-many. A lot of times it's the effectiveness of your internal process. And then most importantly, I keep emphasizing over and over again, team. Yeah. Team is everything. I love one thing you said so quickly, but that just was like, yes. What would you say a duct tape team is? Because I think, you know, I've been, before I went out on my own, I've been on teams where we weren't equipped. We could have never met the expectations of the boss because we weren't properly trained. We were doing too many tasks. And there wasn't enough time in the day to meet these expectations, especially with zero training on, you know, what I remember being handed. I was the graphic designer and social media manager. And I remember being handed, being told to craft an email set for a million dollar capital raise campaign. And I was Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. are you kidding me? You don't raise a million dollars from emails. You wine and dine your donors. You take them Mm -hmm, to golf. mm -hmm. There's a reason why Compassion International or Charity Water have galas to raise that kind of money. You don't do that (laughs) on an email and your expectations are honestly crazy. I mean, I remember just like calling my friends in the, um, you know, nonprofit sector and being like, this doesn't sound normal. To raise a million dollars. So, I I mean, I've had experience of being on a duct tape team. 
twice now and mm-hmm. saying these expectations are impossible. This doesn't happen with a two-person team and a set of emails. Um, yes. And I and it has really shaped me, you know, being on this, the receiving end of having these expectations placed on you and having impossible tasks you know, at hand, it's really shaped how I lead my team and how I do give them room in their, you know, schedule to train them. You know, if we're going to learn Pinterest for my business to drive traffic, part of their hours each week are going to be learning Pinterest on my dime because I Mm -hmm. can't expect them to just figure it out and it make it make it work immediately. Like that's just not going to work if that's not already their zone of genius. So I would love that's for you to exactly. talk to me about a duct tape team. Yeah, no. Well, that was actually the perfect segue. So, I mean, the the best thing that that I can share there is, you know, a duct tape team has a lot of different faces. But at the end of the day, one of the things that you hear most frequently from entrepreneurs is, you know, I worked for this horrible company. I had this crazy boss. You know, this work experience was terrible. I'll never go back to corporate. You know, these are the things that you hear from people. And, you know, the the best thing that I can share for everyone to just take a breath and close your eyes and reflect for a moment is, you know, you were on the receiving end of that in some way, shape, or form in your life previously, most likely, or you perceived it to be that way. You know, if you were on the team of you today, um, what would you be feeling? What would you be experiencing? Are you being led effectively? Are you being invested in? Are you being coached? Are you being managed? Are you being given a pathway to success? Is what you're being asked to do realistic given the time and the resources and the, the investment that you, the employer, are making in your team? And so I think it's really like a, a reciprocity type thing. You, you you said it best yourself. It's like put yourself on the receiving end of being on your own team. And what would that life experience be like? Right. Right. Um, I also think, you know, Kelsey, that a lot of times, you know, when we start off, I know for me, when I started off, I outsourced everything. Right. So I was working with a VA company. I was hiring someone to do my Facebook ads. I was hiring a graphic designer. Everything was outsourced, right? And that's okay, you know, when you're getting started and that's fine and that's good to a certain point. But as a business grows and grows and grows, you know, if you want people, if you want an army that believes in your dream as much as you do, that's truly committed to the vision, the purpose, the mission of your organization, you have to commit to people on the same level that you expect them to commit to you. So think about it. Hey, you know, Kelsey, I'm really, really invested in you and I really believe in you and I really want you to be a part of this dream. And I'm going to have you work for an hourly wage 10 hours a week. Right. Right? Or, Kelsey, I really believe in you. You do amazing work. You are killing it on Instagram. You know, I'm going to make you an offer to be, you know, a full-time person on my team. Um, And, you know, I truly understand, obviously, for everyone listening, everyone is at a different stage in their growth trajectory. And you don't need to hire a full-time person before you are ready for it. However, I think that in many instances, we as business owners have a tendency to say, I'll hire that person when. We want the result and the commitment before we make the investment. Yeah. And it life doesn't work that way. Do you put do you do you get, you know, a return on stocks that you haven't yet invested in in the stock market? Do you make interest on money that you haven't put in the bank yet? Yeah, that's right? good. 
And and we as business owners so many times think that way and act that way when it comes to our team, whether it's that we're duct taping together a bunch of disjointed contractors that are all part-time. And you know, if someone's part-time, um, they're going to give you a part-time investment. That's totally. not their fault. That's your choice, right? Totally. Um, so I just think it's really thinking strategically about like, where are you in your business? Where are you looking to go? What do you truly want your brand to become? And what does your people strategy need to be in order to take your brand to where you're trying to go? And having a really fair and honest conversation with yourself about the commitment you need to make to your people strategy in order to go where you want to go, right? As a, as a company and as a team. What would you say to the person, what are the best investments you would, would tell someone who's listening, whether they, you know, they need to outsource someone, but they can only do a part-time contractor or, you know, they might even be at a place of making six figures, but not ready to hire on a full-time person. What would you say the best investments for that, for that person? Gosh, I can't even talk today, but you know, is it better for them to invest in coaching? Is it better for them to invest in a contractor that, you know, they just lower their expectations of what that contractor can deliver in those hours? What are your thoughts there? Because I know you work with people across the board. I do. I do. Well, you know, I would say that I make different recommendations based on the person in their business. I think, you know, when you're getting started and you only can afford to invest in one resource, I would either look at a resource that will teach you how to generate traffic and leads or someone that will generate traffic and leads for you. Right. Right. Because if you think about it, if you think about it, you know, uh, traffic and leads are the oxygen and fuel to make sales and sales are what's going to grow your business. And and then, you know, the sales are then what's going to open everything up in your business. So if you're the kind of person that you're really good um, and, and you believe that you can be the driver of generating traffic and leads and you just need some direction on that, well, then get a coach to help you learn how to do that. Or if you feel like maybe you're a great content creator and you're great at delivering the service, but you don't want to get into the techie realm of understanding uh, Pinterest or understanding Instagram or understanding Facebook ads, then go get someone to support you on one of those things to help you get a defined and specific traffic strategy in place so that you can start converting leads into sales and then use that as a stepping stone to go make other investments in the business. Absolutely. I love it. Kelly, you are just packed full of wisdom. I am so thankful to have you on today. So what would your, what would be a few top tips for the entrepreneur who, you know, has an established business, it's no longer a side hustle. Um, What would be a few tips for success that you, you know, would want to leave them with? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, if you're already full-time in your business and this is like, this is your thing, that you're committing to this and, and you know, you you have made a commitment to this already, you know, I would say really looking at your role as the CEO and looking at what the next layer of evolution for you personally needs to look like to take the business to the next level. Because we are always, 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 no matter how much we do not want to believe this, we are the bottlenecks. We are always the bottlenecks. So whatever it is that's been holding you back that, you know, you want for yourself, that you want for your business, it's possible and it's out there, but chances are you need to slow down enough to evaluate how am I standing in my own way and what changes do I need to make either in how I'm leading, 
where I'm spending my time or what I'm investing in that's going to allow me to remove the bottleneck that's standing in my way to take this thing to the next level. I love that. So how can our listeners find you? What are you currently doing? What do you have coming up? I would love for you to kind of tell us what you've got going on. Yeah, definitely. Well, Unstoppable Success Radio, we're live three times a week. And, you know, the the show is all about helping entrepreneurs and business owners grow and go further faster towards achieving their goals. So, you know, certainly would love to share that. And uh, my website is chock full of free audios and videos and PDFs and all kinds of downloads for people to, um, you know, pop over there and just grab something that will help you um, take that next step to success in growing your business faster. Awesome. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. I had a blast chatting with you. I feel like there were a thousand takeaways that our listeners and myself included can learn and grow from. And so thank you so much for joining us. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. Thank you so, so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Welcome home to Click. Hundreds of data analytics leaders are coming home to Click to gain insights from data. Why? Well, it's simple. Better performance, greater usability, and a lower total cost of ownership. Plus, with Click, you can accelerate business value from data on Click's cloud or any cloud. Don't just take our word for it. It's what data analytics leaders are saying. Visit click.com slash welcome home to hear why hundreds of leaders in data analytics have come home to Click. That's click, Q-L-I-K dot com slash welcome home. Um...